Okay, folks, we now have Paul Venable on the line. And Paul Venable is running for senator, U.S. Senate, in Missouri. And I will let him tell you about himself. So, Paul, Mr. Venable, Senator Venable, let's jinx you right now. Senator Venable, what makes you tick politically? What are you all about? Well, well, thanks for having me. Um, What makes me tick politically? You know, frankly, the Constitution makes me tick politically. In fact, I think that the Constitution maybe isn't necessarily a political document. I heard somewhere, I think it's in Aristotle's rhetoric that uh, politics is the art of compromise. But I believe that the Constitution is, is the solution is the root solution to our root problems. And our root problem is that we're not following the Constitution. And so that means that if we require full compliance to the Constitution, we don't have to compromise. We just have to go back to the the contract. And I can explain more about that later, but what makes me tick politically is following the Constitution. Okay, so I guess my next question would be the differentiation between yourself and the other candidates. I want, don't want to be presumptuous to know, but I think the field is pretty well set up. Do you know your opponents, and what's the difference between you and them? Well, kind of yes and kind of no. There are 28 people running in the Republican primary and about 10 running in the Democratic primary primary. So I really don't know who my primary opponents are at the moment. And that's, that will be, you know, ironed out in in August. So, but what I do know is this, and let me tell you what the basic difference between me and them, all of them, I can read. Now that may sound weird, may sound exceptional. They may take issue with that and they probably ought to, but here's the point. I can read the constitution and I can understand what it means. Our elected appointed officers of trust in the Republic either aren't reading the Constitution, they can't read it, or they're wantonly ignoring it. So let me go even further. On Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023, when I take the oath of office to support and defend the Constitution, I will honor my oath, or I will step down and expect my fellow citizens to hold me accountable. There you go. And that's, to me, that's the government the people deserve. That's the type of representation that the people deserve because bottom line, we're putting you in that position and we're binding you to an oath of office to support the constitution. If you can't do it, if you're, if you can't be adult enough to do your doggone job that we've sent you to do, then as far as we're concerned, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we can get that position filled quickly if you can't. So stepping down is one the honorable, the, the right thing to do. But it sounds to me like that's not really an issue for us. Well, it's not an issue for us, but it's an issue for the people because our current representatives, you know, elected and appointed. Well, I, to, put to put that in context, excuse me, to put that in context, it's not an issue for us regarding you because, I mean, when a, oh. when a candidate comes right out and says, this is what I'm going to do, then right. it makes it a lot easier to hold their feet to the fire. The reason why politicians, you know, are mealy-mouthed and, and lukewarm and just dancing all over the place and never, they're always ambiguous They and they, they hide behind ambiguity because they don't want to be held down. They don't want to be held accountable. 
They want to have the flexibility to be able to, you know, get the notches in their, you know, if you want to call it their career belt with lobbyists and with those who are the power brokers of political power. Because it's clear in America, the politicians have turned their backs on the people for those who have the money purse, which is why our elections are all screwed up. The why campaigns and campaign financing, why all of these things are problems. And these things, I, I hope, as we move forward and get to know you more, will be able to, you know, get your ideas and expose your thoughts on these types of things. But let me just kind of get this general information to my audience here. So, so okay, it's awesome. You're literate on the Constitution. You read it and you understand it, which is <laughs> head and shoulders above almost all the candidates in every race across the nation. <clears throat> what do you believe are the three challenges that America is facing today and how would you address them? Give me three. I guess these are current events. So let's look at this as what are the three current events that you think we need to head off or you we, you need to attack? You know, I there are so many. Um, there are, you know, as I said earlier, I think that we've got a root cause and a root solution. And I'll get to those in a minute. If there were three current events and there are many, uh, I would say. One is the invasion of America's border, and the, the solution to that is an article for the, uh, the Constitution where, you know, we guarantee to each state a Republican form of government and that we call forth the militia to repel invasions or incursions, okay? The second would be inflation of the money supply. The solution is in Article 6, 1, Section 8, in which we empower Congress to set the value of weights and measures and, and coin. And then finally, this one. This is a big one. Insurrection to the Constitution. I'm not talking about January 6th here. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about the uh, part where the, the people who went to Washington, D.C. to express their concerns have had their rights stomped on by those who are really insurrecting the Constitution, you know, causing insurrection to the Constitution in the halls of Washington, D.C. So, and the constitutional solution to that, you can find in Article 14, Section 3. And that is, people violate their oath to the Constitution, then they need to be removed from office and ineligible for life. So those are the three. Now, you know, there are, there are two primary things that I think are, are a problem, but these three are just three of the many that are facing us today. And and I want to say to you, Gr, that I think these are symptoms, symptoms of not following the Constitution. I completely concur. So <clears throat> let's do a little disclosure because I don't think everybody understands because we haven't hit there yet. <clears throat> okay. What party are you running for? Oh, okay. I'm uh, I'm chairman of the Constitution Party in Missouri, and so I am the Constitution Party candidate for Senate in this state. Okay for Senate, for the state, in the U.S. Senate. <clears throat> so I, I, I get it. I, all right. I, so the big question is, why then did you choose the Constitution Party and why? Because I, I rail on this stuff all the time. So I have a pretty smart audience. So okay. why is it that you have not gone down the path of the Republican and, and kind of courted the party to get behind you? You know, I have, I had to start out by saying that I wasn't 
just a Republican. I was a, a pretty loyal Republican. Let me tell you how deep this goes. My father was a Republican and my grandmother was a Republican. And she was because Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. That was the mindset. So I grew up with that mindset. And I'll tell you when, when it changed. I remember it was January 20th, 2004. And that was the day that George... W. Bush was giving his State of the Union address. I happened to be working on assignment in Washington, D.C. I could see the Capitol Dome from my hotel room, and I was going to watch my hero. And I'll tell you what, I watched that State of the Union address, and I realized it's like the scales fell from my eyes. I was watching him say one unconstitutional thing after another, and, and suddenly it's, it's, like, it's like he grabbed me by the hell. Excuse me, grabbed me by the lapels and said, "Get out of the get out of the Republican Party and get out now." That was my experience. That was the day that I that I had uh, I was looking for an alternative because I realized that this person and the party had left me. They had left their their platform behind. They had left their people behind, and they left me behind. And I left them behind. Okay. So the one thing that I see, and, and it comes up in conversations all the time, it seems like everybody's paradigm is red and blue, red being Republican, blue being Democrat. And so I think the challenge for you, because the majority of the paradigm, the majority of the electorate's paradigm in Missouri is red. In other words, they, they want to vote, and, and they are party-driven, they're party loyalists. 80% of the people that vote, 80% of the people that vote are blind voters. They just vote down the party line, and that's it. And so here's a huge challenge for you as a Constitution Party, as the alternative. How do you get people, and I, I honestly believe you just have to backhand them. I think you just have to slap them in the face. And just say, you know, wake up. It isn't about red and blue. It's about parchment. And I think that if you use that phraseology, if you put it in that context, people will start getting it. But what is your strategy of how you're going to do that? How are you going to garner and get the Republicans to move towards the Constitution? You you know, that's a great question. My strategy is... First of all, for us to understand that the Constitution has teeth. So as a candidate for office, I don't, you know, I've taught the Constitution for years. Um, and I, when I was, I should disclose that I was chairman of the Constitution Party in Idaho. And while I was there, we taught the Constitution for years. But what happened is when people left the class, you know, many of them stood up for liberty, but once they walked away, what was it they were to do next? My strategy is to teach the people, one, my fellow citizens, that the Constitution, first of all, has teeth and that we know how to use them. One of the teeth that we can start using right away is the First Amendment right of petition, which is which has been in front of our face the whole time. You know, I've got to ask, you know, re- Republicans, do you really think that you're freer today than you were on September 10th, 2001. Well, no, we're not. Okay. And so what we're going to do is 
from the local level up, we're going to begin using First Amendment petitions to redress the grievances of people in whatever they may be, whether it's school board, whether it's um, uh, mask mandates. And a lot of those have gone away. But let me give you an example of something that just happened uh, with with me. I was a few weeks ago. I had gone to visit my neighbors. All right. Here, here was the deal. OK, I've uh, we have raised our own animals and I live in a small rural community in, in, in western Missouri. And so what I wanted to do is I read the city code and it realized that that they didn't allow for, you know, small farm animals like chickens or, or goats. So um, I, I went around to my neighbors and I said, do you care if I raise chickens? Because what I'd like to do is I'd like to get a variance. Well, you, what a variance is, it's an exception to the rule. Here's what happened. When I talked to my neighbors, I realized that all of them wanted to raise chickens. Almost none of them objected, and many of them wanted to do it themselves. So now I've got a paradigm. Why was I just doing this for me? If my neighbors want to do this, and, and by the way, they told me that, that if they, if I had to sign something, they'd sign it for me. Well, lo and behold, I've already got my petition process. So now I generate a petition, and instead of asking for a variance, I'm going to ask the city to reconsider the code for a number of reasons. One, it gives the people the opportunity to take care of themselves, and the city shouldn't deny them that right. Secondly, there are things we should be concerned about today. I mean, I, I, read, I heard a news report just yesterday that 17 food processing plants in this country have have gone up in smoke in the first four months of this year. Okay, it was 11 the whole year last year. So there are things we should be concerned about. And and so one of the things to, to, to bring this to a close, what I want to do is use the tools that the Constitution has because there are things that we can do with that right away. The First Amendment right of petition is the basic. There you go, folks, because this man is uh, singing a song that is just cherished in my heart. That's Okay, so using the First Amendment petitions and getting this back into the context of getting Republicans, I honestly believe that this is the way you can actually teach Republicans the principles of the Constitution. And actually, and folks, this goes right back to what I've been trying, I've been harping at, that we need people to actually lead and prove that the party's system, or I should say the uniparty or the Republican Party specifically, is the problem because they're not a part of the solution. They want to keep you steeped in the status quo. And when you actually start taking action like what you're talking about, then you're actually proving that we can make a difference, that the party can actually lead and help and be a part of the solution, not just some process that continues this abuse and, and the neglect of our public servants regarding our, our, our liberties, our rights, and so forth. So awesome. This is just great. So let me ask you this. Sure, sure, sure. If you don't mind, let me, let me add something. To that. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I want, you know, these, my neighbors, okay. They're not, some of them may be Democrats and some of them may be Republicans, but I want 
They'll be my constituents. I want to include the Republican Party. I want to include the Democrats. I'm willing to go to the meetings and show them how this works. Well, so actually, let me get you to change your paradigm. Okay. If they're Democrats, if they're Republicans, let them put themselves into that position by by themselves. Because what you, all you have to do is say, you know, if you don't realize the difference between whatever political affiliation you have and me, I'm parchment. I believe in your rights. I believe in protecting and restoring your rights and privileges and immunities that are guaranteed by that Constitution. And I can't believe our government has gotten to a point where they've denied us basic privileges and immunities such as, you know, these chickens, goats, and so forth, being able to be self-sustaining and being able to provide for ourselves. I mean, how is that constitutional? Anyway, and, and I honestly believe that just making that mantra, making that message as a as almost like a drum that people just hear it, parchment, 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 they'll start getting it. They'll start understanding that the red blue is, is literally just a diametric division between a, a paradigm of government has to do this when actually the parchment is get rid of government doing the things that they have no business doing anyway. Okay. Okay. So on top of that, do you have any legislation that you are trying to champion or that you're you're trying to get wind in your sails? In other words, as you campaign, it, you know, because it's common that a politician will say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Is there legislation or some type of a campaign promise that you are, you know, using as a campaign strategy? I'll give you three uh, to start with. The first one is I would... I would call for my state and others to enact Republic review. And obviously, you know, you're the champion of this. But, you know, like Wyoming attempted to do earlier this year, uh-huh. this is a process that was set forth when Jefferson and Madison wrote the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions to engage their sister states in pushing back against the Alien and Sedition Act. So the idea was that the states, as 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 the parties... Uh, yeah, thanks. As the parties, <laughs> no problem. the stakeholders in this contract, or the compact that's the Constitution, were are to rein in. They've got the power, okay? They're the final arbiters of this of this contract, were to rein in the federal government. And so, you know, Wyoming tried to do this earlier this year. I think they were shot down. I'm going to encourage Missouri to do this and other states because, because really I see the states as a solution. Imagine, I mean, if we... If we're ratifying, if we're making a change in the Constitution, if we're proposing an amendment, you, it's the states that make that decision. It's not done by a popular vote. Okay. Right. right, right. So the states are parties to the contract. First, the other thing I would I would want to do is I'd I'd want to call for the ratification of the original First Amendment. This is the one that had to deal with representation in Congress. You've got 435 members in this cloister in washington dc and you know if we if we ratify that amendment what it means is that we're going to bring our representatives home to the states you might have six thousand representatives but we've got the technology we've got the ability to do that now and so that's probably the that's probably one of the things that i would promote the 
other thing I would promote is is to, and I don't know quite how to do this yet, but we just saw this week, you know, Elon Musk has been on the news. He bought Twitter. And now everyone's, you know, celebrating. We're, we're now going to have a free speech platform. I want to disabuse the public mind of this mindset that the platform is the press. So there is so there are a couple ways we can deal with this. But hold it, one hold of the it. things that I would like to do, if I could, if I is, if I could interject yeah. real quick, yeah, go ahead. And you, because this really begs the question, uh-huh. um, I, the question that's not even being asked, because actually, I just mentioned this on my Thursday show. Uh, and so here's the question. Elon Musk now owns Twitter, which means he owns the baggage that Twitter has created. Right. So here's the question. And this this is actually a paradigm shift that I don't think anybody has really made the connections to. But I kind of glossed over this yesterday. So the question I have is, with Elon Musk now as the CEO and the the all-powerful Oz of Twitter, will he bring in independent auditors to come and scour through the corporate documents and actually find how the CEO and other executives and leadership within Twitter actually violated election laws by basically influencing and creating narratives and so forth so that he can bring those people to justice? Well, if you want, Jir, maybe I'll put that challenge on my website because otherwise it could conceivably get swept under the rug. You know, I think that the that in concert with that, the states in protecting the people's rights ought to define what the press is versus yes. the platform. Correct. Okay. So let's say Facebook is a platform, Twitter is a platform. Um, YouTube is a platform. Uh, let me think. Uh, Facebook and Google. Right. Uh, and so here's what I might and and I I have full disclosure. I got this idea from you, and that is that you know, we have Google and Facebook make billions, make billions per minute. And you know how? Because if I'm sitting at my machine and I, and I click on an ad, um, how many of those ads are is everyone clicking on everywhere? And and so here is an opportunity, let me dare say, and I don't know the long-term effects of this yet, but it's free money for them. Here's an opportunity, maybe a gold mine for for states to have to one tax a platform. That's why I say let's let's define the difference between a press and a platform. Right. And then let's make the platform pay and in in the, in return maybe we can offer some tax relief to citizens because these people are are really making it and and on top of that who are they to decide what we should hear or not i think it's i think if they're not the press then let's treat them like we would anyone else in terms of taxing right 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 Absolutely. I don't know the mechanics of it, but that's one of the things that I would propose. Right, right, and and actually, so yeah, you've heard me harp on that because if you if you're bringing this up, absolutely. So, 
<clears throat> and there are ways to do that. And as a matter of fact, as you pro- if you listen to my show regularly, I'm actually going through those and we'll be hitting those points of how to redefine the press at the state level so that we can restore freedom of the press back to the people and actually hold the platforms accountable so that they don't become the censors and actually become propaganda mills because that's been the that's been the perversion of what we call the press today in America. So that's awesome. Sure. I I'm loving this, but the other thing I, I've, I've got to ask, because, and the reason I went down this path on just saying, here's Elon Musk that can actually bring out the dead. If, you, if you're a fan of Monty Python and the In Search of the Holy Grail, <clears throat> then you, you understand what I'm talking about. But here is somebody that's actually taken over a business that has blood in its halls. Uh, we're talking about a business that has violated the trust of the people, and they've been a progressive agenda-grinding monkey for the globalist agenda. Now we've got somebody in there that I don't believe is truly a conservative. I don't even believe he's a libertarian. I believe he's a businessman that is doing everything that he can to make him look good. So the question is, because you never know. He could be the the global leader that takes us because he has he has a uh, a vision of globalism, and I don't necessarily like Elon Musk. I'm just being honest here. I honestly think that in, in him doing and going down this path, it would prove to me. It may not be full evidence, but it would at least prove to me he's heading in the direction of taking an honest and open position. If he does not air the blood or, you know, air the dirty laundry of Twitter as he steps in to basically say, this is what I've inherited and we're cleaning up shop now, because that's what a real leader would do. Because there's no doubt in my mind, Twitter has blood on their hands regarding elections and so forth. Anyway. Well, on top of that, I think it's it's probably necessary. I I saw a news report that, um, you know, 99% 99% of Twitter is unhappy with this deal. So he's got these people working on him that are that are not on his side. He needs to air that dirty laundry or whatever it may be. Right, right, so right. So right. know what direction we, they need to go with it. Right. Well, I am speaking in a completely different context than the conservative entertainers and all these, uh, I'll just say, all these people that don't understand the roots of our problem. But... Let, let let me let's not talk about what I want because this is your time. I, I don't want to steal any any bit of your time at this point because we need to get people to get to understand you so that they can get behind you. And so, one of the things that I've also exposed my audience to is this concept of the swamp and this this movie that exposes how basically our legislators in both the House of Representatives and the Senate in Congress how they are basically being bought and paid for by how they get on committees and how they vote and so forth. So going into D.C. and understanding that to be a player, you have to sell your soul. How are you going to handle that? How, how are you going to keep immunity from be, being corrupted by this D.C. influence? You know, I watched that. I watched that video and that was mind bending yes um it was shocking to me that it, it's almost like those congressmen who are 
who are trying to fight against that system are swimming upstream. And, and that's a hard swim. And so I, the other thing I need to tell you is I've, I've been involved with, with political leaders in the past, good men that I believe have gone to Washington, D.C., and frankly, GR, come back as something else. Uh, so the environment in D.C. might be new to me, but I've got one foundational in, in, uh, outlook, and that's my primary constituent is the Constitution. And those who deal with me will be expected that, to act in concert with that commission. Now, I say that. But, you know, the other thing that's important is I've got to. That's why I started out by telling you I'm going to keep my oath, because in the back of my mind, that always has to be there. Um, I don't know what kind of temptations they have, but I'll tell you what, you know, Jer, I've got sufficient for my needs. I don't I don't need that. What I need is for my children and my grandchildren and my neighbors to live in liberty and my liberty is not for sale you know it's really someone has got to say that the other thing that i'm that i'm going to do with my website as as the um as the uh, candidates get whittled down after the election uh-huh. is i'm going to post expenses in other words i'm going to post where all the money is coming from I'm going to post where my money is coming from. I'm going to post where the Democrats' money is coming from. I'm going to post on my website where the Republicans' money is coming from so that we can see. Because I think what happens is that people see, you know, they vote for the pretty faces and they, and they vote for the rhetoric. But they don't really understand that, that they're being played for money, that their liberty is for sale. And if you if you show in public what everyone's getting and from whom, maybe you'll see that. You know, the other thing I think that needs to happen, and this is going back to a question you asked me earlier, is one of the things that I would propose as legislation Uh is real campaign finance reform. That is, you can only donate money within your elective district. That's one of the things that I would I would propose. There we go. And, and so I, uh, I'm actually going through that currently, and I'm explaining okay. to my listening audience what it means to restore. Because going back to what you said, we actually, this is a Republican form of government. And sure. so it is repugnant to think that anybody, anybody who does, who, we all, in, as, as United States citizens, we all have a right of representation, which means that we have access in government to our representative. But it is repugnant to think that somebody that doesn't have the right of representation for the state of Missouri, that they come and they, they contribute to these campaigns, that these, these walls are open and allowing Soros and foreigners. I mean, Obama took millions of dollars in from literally foreigners around the world. $5 donations or what have you, these small little contributions. Are you kidding me? And I mean, that's just one little example. It happens all the time. We've got to shut this down. But the only way, folks, that we can get candidates right now is we actually have to hear them talk the talk and actually, you know, stand up and say, this is how we have to do this. Because bottom line, we need to get your support and we need to get your money into candidates like 
Paul Venable running for Senate. And as I as you've heard me harping already, Art Macumber for the Attorney General in Idaho. So now we've got two candidates that you can start throwing love to. But anyway, and because I understand that there's a lot of people that you know don't like the idea, but bottom line, folks. We have to exploit the system that Soros and everybody else is exploiting. We have to understand that it, if the message is going to survive, we actually have to get behind the messenger because they are con- constantly silencing the a contrary message to their status quo by throwing more money and getting their messengers in, which silences the real message. And if any of that makes sense, then I guess the challenge and the follow-up question that I have after this long oration of my feelings <laughs> is, <clears throat> as a Constitution Party member, are you going to limit yourself? Are you constrained so that good, Constitution-loving businesses can contribute to you without any strings attached, that they just say, we need to get this guy in? You know, I had I know in previous conversations, uh, we asked this question, and when I I went to when I registered for the um, for the national committee meeting and I looked at the disclosure. Here's what it said. It said federal law requires that we don't accept corporate donations, but it doesn't say anything else, which means. And when I say I need to be more specific, uh, but when I read it, it didn't appear to violate what what you asked in other words i want businesses and people and whoever want to support my message to be able to contribute to me i'm still researching that but i believe that we we don't have the restrictions that i thought we did um good good well and and folks we don't have the time either we if if we want if we want and what i say by time time being finite because the lord's coming and and either we actually start supporting the message and getting this message into D.C. Because I'm going to tell you something. If we get Paul Venable into that Senate, he's going to make uh, Rand Paul and, and Cruz look like, you know, liberal communists. Because these guys don't talk about the Constitution. They sideswipe it and they use it almost like it's a prop for them. And it just pisses me off to see these, because they're, they're probably decent people. They don't seem to be really evil, but they're not doing what they should be doing in supporting the Constitution, which can take us back to January 6th. And what really, my my final question before I you know give you the, the final plug of how to people get a hold of you and all that stuff and how they can give you money, um, my, my final question is, as you know, January 6th, 2021, was a fiasco where Congress actually violated the Constitution and seated, unconstitutionally seated a president by accepting an unconstitutionally formed electoral college. Are you going to actually take a stand and actually campaign on this very particular issue that if you get elected, you will be the champion for unseating Biden in 2023 as the first order of business without legislation or anything else he needs to be removed, and, and Congress needs to follow the Constitution in choosing the president by using the 12th Amendment, which is what should have happened. Well, I agree with that. And in fact, uh, I am I will champion that. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I'll have to because 
no one is going to look at what Biden is doing right now and and draft articles of impeachment, which I believe they've got several reasons to do so right now. But you understand where everyone is complaining about Biden and no one's doing anything, not Republicans, not Democrats, no one. So so here's my problem with that. Just real quick. And, and forgive okay. me for cutting you off, sir. If you go down the path of impeachment, you're almost legitimizing this fool that has been seated unconstitutionally. And as far as I'm concerned, he needs to be treated as the, the as the constitutional crisis that Congress has created by putting him in office. And therefore, we can't even look in that form of legitimacy. We need to actually tell America, America needs to be told that Congress pulled a fast one. That Pelosi and Pence pulled a fast one. And there's, so here's, there's a follow on question that you haven't even thought of that I need to put in your lap before we end this conversation. But the important part is that this has to be done at the very beginning of 2023. And there's no doubt in my mind that if you make this and if you get out into the news and you get into the newspapers and say, this is what you're doing, this, this, you are going to call for the removal of the Biden administration and demand that Congress fix this constitutional crisis by exercising the 12th Amendment in choosing of the president, something that should have been done in 2020 or 2021, January 6, 2021. Now, if you do this, so here's, here's the question. There is no doubt in my mind that Trump will find a way to your door. That would be interesting. Now, the question is, are because I understand principles, morals, and all these other things, you know, kind of create this amalgamation or this big pot of interesting political stew. The question is, on the one principle that if you look at the stage, the outcome is either going to be from the 12th Amendment that either Biden wins or because of the Electoral College, or I should say, not even by the Electoral College, if you look at Congress, there was only, you know, the two real candidates, because none of them actually garnered anything for Electoral College votes, or representative votes. And the 12th Amendment basically states that the representatives of the people will delegate or will vote by delegate, by state delegate. So in other words, each state will get one vote, and it's going to go down party lines. And so what it means is that Biden probably will be removed in 2023, and it will be Trump that will be chosen to actually serve out the rest of that four-year term, which will be less than two years. That means that Trump will then be set up for a potential re-election if he actually steps in and puts America back on the right path. Now, here's the question. What are you going to do if all of a sudden Trump comes in and actually comes to Missouri and makes Missouri his operating base? And starts launching on all of this and, and actually gets you elected because this could, this could be a reality because he can bring in that kind of money. The, and I don't think this is really a question. I just think this is you, this is more of kind of an advisement to you. You may need to clearly delineate to say, you know, I want to do the right thing. We need to do the right thing by the Constitution and by the people of America. 
And so if Trump comes to my door, I will, you know, I'd be happy to take any and all his assistance, money and financing without any contingencies, without any strings. I refuse to sell my position to a loyalty to a, you know, to a, a person, to an office. My loyalty is to the Constitution. And I will constantly support the Constitution. And that's what you can count on me if you support me. And there it is. Well, let me. Well, let me make this clear. That would be my position. You understand something else. I believe that Trump had the right idea of putting America first. But there, there are two things about Trump that he, he, he doesn't have a constitutional understanding. He actually believed that he could sign a piece of paper and ban bump stocks in California. He actually said that he could, he actually proposed this thing called the Operation Warp Speed, and then said, and I've got the greatest military in the world to distribute this. Now, that should set alarm bells for me. So, you know, <laughs> Trump, might come, Trump might come to my door, but you got to remember, Trump is operating out of ignorance of the Constitution. So he'll need an education if he expects to come, to come back. But let me ask you a follow-up question uh, to that, GR. Sure, no problem. And this, this was a surprise to me. Um, I was listening to the Constitution on the way here, and it, and in the in the uh, area of impeachment, it said that if a president is impeached, he is ineligible to hold office of any kind. It's almost it's almost the president's version of of Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment. So here's my question: If he's impeached and removed? Or if he's impeached, this surprised me, and so I'm going to have to research this a little more. Maybe I can ask if you will. So find the, out because the, he was impeached, is he actually ineligible? So the so the actually, there are two processes to impeachment for impeachment right? to occur. There is the it's it's like a grand jury investigation, which is closed, where there is no arguments. It's just a discovery where the House has the determination of whether a president, a sitting president or a non-sitting president can be impeached. Mm -hmm. So they determine that he is to be impeached. The trial for impeachment is done by the Senate. So just because the indictment moves forward, it doesn't mean that he's been found guilty. It doesn't mean that he has actually been charged and tried and has now been fully impeached. The impeached, he still is a sitting president. And, right. the, it, and it's, he was still a sitting president right. after the impeachment. So right. you got to understand that the impeachment charge is just a charge that comes from Congress and that the due process occurs in the Senate. So the trial or the, you know, that's, that's where the due process, so if you remember, everybody was calling, oh, where's the due process? Where's the due? There is no due process in the House process. In other words, it, that's not a trial. They're just looking for whatever they want to look for, and they can be as biased as they want to be. But it doesn't mean that it's going to get them across the finish line. It's the same thing with Clinton. Clinton was impeached by the House, and, but Correct. he wasn't found guilty by the Senate. And that had more to do with, I think, the politics in hand. And the reason the politics in hand prevailed is because they didn't want to put more wind in Clinton's sail by, by basically dividing the nation to say the Republicans got rid of a Democratic president. 
because mm-hmm. everybody was looking at it as a Democrats versus, you know, and it's the same thing with what happened with Trump, sure. that it was literally the Democrats going after the Republican. But, and, but, and that, that division is, is really at the, at the heart of what's going on. It's one of the things that Washington warned us about in his farewell address. Sure did. It's fact. Yes, he did. And so <clears throat> the the interesting thing that I think most people just lose sight of is that, you know, where is the due process occurring? And the due process is occurring in the Senate. And that's really the trial process. So, anyhow. Okay. Anyhow. Thanks for clearing, clearing that up. No problem. No problem. Yeah, because the impeachment process is twofold. And it's obviously political, but and it shouldn't be. It, it really shouldn't be. But you're right. If you look at Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the president and the vice president are not included in that. It's, right. it, it starts with the senators and representatives, then it goes to federal judges and the Supreme Court, and then down to every other office. So they actually exclude the president and vice president. So anyway, um, now now let's just kind of wrap this up because I've got a lot of other things to do, and I really appreciate your time, so I must believe that you've got other things to do yourself. Where can people, where can the voters of Missouri, and where can those interested in actually supporting the message you're carrying, where can they go to you know, donate, to learn more about you? What is your, do you have a domain name? I have a domain name, okay, it's, and it's through it, youwinmissouri.org. There you um, go. You know, the idea, is, the idea is, you know, when are the people going to win an election? Okay, so in Missouri, you win Missouri means it's time for the people to win. Youwinmissouri.org. There you go. That's good. It's not somebody for Idaho, somebody for this state or what have you. It's sure. good. That That's good because it places context to who you're actually serving. Right. Awesome. Well, Mr. Venable, Paul, I, what I would like to do is I'd like to have, you know, have an open door when you're ready to talk more about the campaign, when you're ready to get more into details, because this is just an introduction for the people. What I what I'd like to do is actually bring you back. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to cover, and the the beautiful thing, folks, is that pa- Paul here, the candidate Venable, hopefully Senator Venable, he's going. He's he's in this race all the way to the end because he's a Constitution Party candidate. So regardless of the shenanigans that the the primaries can can run amok with so many people and so forth, because I've seen this happen every time. That they watered down the field to where the 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 most less the, what they call the lesser of the evils kind of rises to the top instead of the really good leader, and so you have an opportunity to actually send this message, and we need to help Mister Venable get this message out so that he people understand, you know, that this twenty twenty election is not over, even though twenty twenty two. Well, it's the 2020 election with what Sorry. you can do in 2023. In other words, this Biden and removing the Biden administration. I mean, I think that 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 could bring enough wind in your sails nationwide where people go, you know, hey, and as a matter of fact, if you really start articulating this on your website of how and why this needs to be done and why you need to go and be that messenger, I honestly think you'll get lots of people throwing love your way. Because there's there's okay. nobody else doing this, everybody else is trying no, to is. avoid this. 
And that, to me, is an indictment that these people don't care about the Constitution. They're just trying to, you know, make the appeasements to the, you know, the power brokers and the gods of politics so that they can get their little, you know, their little seat at the altar of power. Anyway, thank you so much for your time. And we look forward to having you back as this long marathon race to November starts to pursue forward. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. Folks, we're going to be going straight into break right after this, and then I will be back with some final comments. God bless. <laughs> 